time for dingers. This is dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah, dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Tariq Skubal that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. I'm Tyler Childs. Joining me again this evening is Roto Robbie. Whoa! Oh. Whoa! Boom. <laughs> Yikes! No, thank you. <laughs> I just thought this was perfect. We we just launched our Roto Listener League, where we're going to both dominate and make a mockery of the format, and <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun. So I, I thought, you know, Ronnie gets all the credit for being the Roto guy. Uh, this is the moment in time where that stops because we prove to Ronnie that he can't win in any format. (laughs) And I did play with him in a league last year, a Roto league that he did not win. He managed his way right out of the money. It was great to watch. Uh, I think I finished eight with the team that started the year with my best player. I think being uh, MLB player being David price. So uh, knowing that we are about to fire this thing up. Um, and we just had uh, Jason Gold of Six Man Rotation fame um, in Twitter, at Six Man Rotation, if you are looking for some amazing data-driven, uh, wide-angle MLB coverage and analysts. Um, they, uh, sorry, Jason has announced in the group chat, can I just draft, can I just draft, can I just draft? That's it, screw it. I'm telling you right now, I'm taking Yelich. And <laughs> uh, Ty, you're picking one three. And do you want to, do you want to, like, this will have already happened before it's aired, but do you want to just let everybody know how you felt about the whole situation when you first I, found I out love three? it because in most, most rankings, Yelich is three. Uh, I can see why people would want Yelich over an Acuna who is arguably the number two. In an eight uh, by eight format, just so everyone's aware. Yeah. Eight categories, uh, not five. Yeah. Correct. And, and so, you know, Acuna definitely gives you a wide range there. Um, but I mean, what I love is the potential for Mike Trout to slide to me at three. If that happens, it's over. It's just over. And if you don't uh, get Trout, Acuna's there. Yeah. Oh no, I lose. Oh wait, no, I don't. Uh, it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> but honestly, he's uh, like Jason's a an Atlanta guy, and I don't understand. Maybe he's just screwing with us. But um, if he is, we're kicking him out. <laughs> no we are not we are we are very, <laughs> that would be amazing i don't like your pick you lied in the chat uh, you hurt my feelings it's in the bylaws yeah yeah uh no yeah no disagreeing with the dingers boys but uh yeah so it it certainly like really makes the landscape interesting and i've got the 11th pick overall and i mean at that point i can go in 15 different directions if i want to with this thing so i can't wait to have this play out the worst part is that I will be working tomorrow. I'm sure when I'm on the clock, cause I have an early shift tomorrow. Um, and I cannot wait for my phone to start buzzing because good old fan tracks 
which is the most obvious host site for any complex league, they will send me an email when I'm on deck and again when I am up and I cannot wait for that first buzz and then I'll be like, all right, who's been taken? Who's left? What kind of candy am I getting? Well, Do you think Soto falls to me? Will Story be kicking around? The mm. on deck and you're up emails are going to arrive before I get out of bed. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm definitely going to delay it. So apologies in advance and also retro apologies in advance because you won't hear this till yep. likely Monday. Um, so I apologize for that. But at the same time, I'm super excited. Uh, whoever ends up on my team, welcome to the team. Uh, and whoever thinks they had a great first couple of rounds, you didn't. We're going to dominate, so let's get into it. It's a 76-round draft. Can't wait. 15-team um, Roto, 8 by 8 Okay, so enough of that. Yeah, let's, let's, let's get into yeah. the drinking. Oh, wait, no, fancy, fancy baseball. Is that what we're doing here? Let's get into some beers and bourbon first. A long time ago someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes in a bottle. That was a weak pop. It didn't really pop. It's it's a it's got a short cork. You need to carbonate that. Yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> it's it's a distiller select version of Woodford Reserve that I'm still working on, and it's delicious. So I don't want to do anything to really mess with it because it's it's just too good. Okay, I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, I have dipped into my Waterloo Craft Lager, uh, 4.8%. So this is going to help me make a lot of good decisions tonight. And we are, of course, on the topic of dun, da, da, dynasty Top. prospect lists. Sorry, Our prospect to list, too. No, yes. no. I was just going to say it's, it's not your grandma's prospect list. No, my... Um, other than the fact that my grandmother's dead, uh, both of them, um, they weren't big on fantasy baseball, just like everybody that I work with. But more importantly, Ty, I don't work with any baseball fans. And with all the news from the Astros this week, from MLB and all the heads getting chopped, I haven't been able to talk to anybody about it. I'm sure your lovely wife is just tired of hearing about all of that stuff. She just and, sends me into the edition and says, get this done, and, <laughs> and then I do. I get it done. <laughs> uh, well, let's, let's get it done, and let's just get right into this because this is a juicy topic, and uh, I'm excited because we're going to flip a couple things on its head, and people are going to go, they're going to give us this one, I believe. Uh, and we're all right <laughs> with that because we love making you think twice about it. Uh, and that's the whole purpose here. This is a fantasy podcast for smart people. So if that's not you, hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back, but still subscribe, rate and, and review, listen. and find us on Twitter at DingersPod, at TourneyBoss for Ty, and at RobbieBaseball1 for myself. Sorry, Ty, shameless plugs. I got to get them in when I can. Um, are we going to, I guess off the top here, discuss the fun, exciting thing that we teased on the last episode, excuse me, 
oh my gosh, that's uh, it's in a tall boy, but the craft lager has the draft beer burps. Do you find that you get that whenever you're drinking your craft beer? A little, a little uh, more burpy? Not really, no. Me? I think that's, that's just, just me you. and my weak immune system. Yeah, uh, it's because <laughs> it's because you cut out meat in your diet, and your body's just like, oh, good stuff. Well, get this out. It's funny for um, for a chef as a profession to have been a vegetarian for closing in on three years now. Um, I'm cool with it, but I I get my uh, caloric intake and proteins elsewhere. Anyway. <laughs> Now that we've bored everybody with that, we'll get on to the fun and exciting stuff. Do we have an alarm like um, button that you can press? Is there is there one on that dial? Well, just press how, one you're not sure of. Let's see what our alarm is. Pick how serious? How serious do you want it to be? Super serious. We are changing the fantasy baseball landscape with this. One. All right. Well, let's let's go after it from a different angle. Instead of a siren, let's go. Let's get going. Boo. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> Boo. Okay. Attention, fantasy writers, podcasters, and Twitter tweeters. We are sorting out the details right now of a watchdog system to determine where we stand and where you stand and who deserves props on their dynasty and redraft lists. Ty is sorting out the exact details. He'll get into that in a moment. The big thing here is that we are going to work on accountability and fantasy we don't see where it is people change lists all the time people never talk about their um, fails only their accomplishments and we want you to know that we are credible within the fantasy landscape even though we are not writers for such and such a website um, we don't post for four or five different podcasts but we know our business and we wanted to find a realm in which we can share our knowledge with you and we started the podcast a little over a year ago it was about a year ago even um yeah and and now we feel like there's you know there's a good base here we really enjoy the fact that we've had more listeners thanks a lot to all the new ears that are out there we certainly hope that we are and will be helping you out in your dynasty quests for championships um but ty do you want to get into exactly what it is that you are doing here um with the system of what do we have a name for it the not yet. Let's no. let's let's keep, let's keep that under wraps for now. I mean, it's okay. it's in there. But what what we're after? We're looking for some smart people's. I mean, this is the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. We're going to find you. That's what we're looking for. Uh, we want to prove a point that there's more than one way to win in fantasy baseball, and we want to show you that the standard stock the cupboards is not always the best method. We've talked about it in previous episodes. Now we're going to show you some of the data that we have up in our wonderful brains. And we're essentially trying to put together a WRC plus or a war number that will help predict some rankings uh, and, and really show you how to analyze the information that's out there and really point out who gets it right. Because that's all that matters. We talked about it before we jumped on here, Robbie. We don't care so much about what you get wrong because if you're not getting things wrong, then you're not trying to find that edge. And if you don't find that edge, you're not going to win anyway. So it's about what you're getting right. And that's the thing that you want to be looking for. And that's what we're going to help you find. So stay tuned to an upcoming episode. We're super excited for this number. Uh, and we'll, we'll discuss all the details and how it all comes together uh, in the coming weeks here. Yeah, full transparency on this. Um, 
I am really looking forward to backtracking into 2019 rankings that we did. And for anybody who wants to take a deep dive in um, to be our own watchdog, um, not that I'm not going to be doing it ourselves, you can go back and listen to some of our first podcasts. I'm going to say one through 10 were probably chock full of um, our 2019 and our initial dynasty ranks for players. And great audio quality. Absolutely. All the way back to the episode in which Glenn was on and rated Machado outside of the top 10 because he had yet to sign with San Diego. And you know what, Ty, a year later, Glenn's not looking too bad with that ranking. Uh, I disagree. I, I disagree. I think <laughs> I think Machado is still a stud and he's going to be even better this season. So um, you can suck it, Glenn. We, we will see. <laughs> However... I, personally, I'm really looking forward to going back, checking all that stuff out, and see where we landed uh, at the starting point of this. Because we're going to use multiple sources. We we've got some you know guys who have paid content. We've got some guys who have free content. There's all those places on Twitter that just throw everything out at you, and that's fine. We are happy to see it. We're we are going to go ahead and just like get all those guys, all those lists together, and as Ty has said, create a way in which we can um, sort out you know who who is worth following in years to come and who you might want to take with a big old grain of salt. And, and, and those of you that are listening, you can't see this, but to my right where I'm sitting, there's a giant window. Uh, and if you've ever seen the Russell full of Cole, opportunity, well, no, 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 no. But we're, we're, this will be the, if you've ever seen the Russell Crowe, beautiful mind, this is the window that will expose fantasy value that you can not even put a tangible, grasp on wow that's deep yeah super deep just like our lists are that's right (laughs) that's right so let's get into this super deep list we're to we're talking prospects today and this is one of the most overhyped list that's why we're hyping it up and (laughs) so so we fit in um you know we're gonna dive right in to this this list this is our dingers list so we talked about at the end of last episode how we were going to set this up it is a series of value propositions, but the most important takeaway from this list is these are these are players that are going to give you value between the 2020 season and the 2024 season. So most of that has to do with production, opportunity, how they're getting there, what's around them, what the depth in front of them looks like, and very little to do with how much hype they have as a prospect. We're Absolutely. trying to eliminate that variable. Take the names out. Look at the scouting reports and all the factors that Ty just said. That's how we equally weighted everything with a little dusting of trade value because we know some people like to make the smart play. Uh, we are the podcast for smart peoples. And we, we know that you're going to draft somebody because somebody in your league is a huge Kansas City fan. And you can trade all of this or all of that type of player to them. Um, Ty, we play in a league with a guy who's a huge Rangers fan. And I used to be able to trade him any crappy Ranger prospect for anything I needed in a league in 2018. And all of a sudden, he kind of announced at some point towards the end of last year that he was also a big Houston fan, which, I mean, doesn't look great right now. But it also, in in your league, it makes it a little bit harder to make a deal with him because he's not going to take all those crappy Texas prospects anymore. you got to go find some of those cheating Houston prospects. And that's an angle to your own league that everybody's going to have. Um, something I like to do is I like to get the names and the favorite teams of guys I play in leagues with. 
so that I can always lean, you know, if you got some Chicago White Sox guys, uh, some Yankees, whatever it is. So anyway, we've talked about our five factors. Did we agree on going from 50 down or from one up? I mean, everybody wants to hear one, so let's make them wait. Let's start at 50. Sounds good to me, Ty. I and I think now is the that. now is the appropriate time for this. That was as far as I could take it, but you Sounds get the point. Good to me. That I'm happy with that. Um, we have honorable mentions that are for another podcast, uh, but here it is. These are the guys that we think the next five fantasy seasons are most likely to help you achieve that championship in one way, shape, or form. At number 50, Mason Martin, Pittsburgh, a first base outfield prospect, 20 years old right now, will be 26 at the end of the 2024 season. Um, I think because it's about to turn 21, something like that. Uh, 49, Alex Manoa, Toronto Blue Jays, starting pitcher, 22 right now, will finish at 27. He was drafted last year, first round. 48, Bruzar Gratterall, Minnesota. Uh, Ty and I will discuss this. Soon. Yeah, I, 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 Bruce Gatterall <laughs> is a guy that I love. I, I we talked about it last episode, or I beaked you for calling him a reliever. It was a um, couple episodes ago. I stick with my he's the next hater. I think maybe uh, it's just going to be every episode. I disagree. He's got too much uh, control in his delivery. The velocity is ridiculously easy. Oh, uh, yeah. You're, it's just it's gross how simple it comes out of his hand. And I think that Minnesota is just trying to polish up his other stuff or he would have made it to the pros already. Um, and, and I think he's going to spin the other stuff just fine. I, I don't expect him to start in Minnesota to start the season, though. I think they're going to give him a couple things to go work on in the minors for a couple weeks, and then they're going to bring him up uh, middle or end of May. I just think Minnesota has set themselves up both on the pitching side and on the hitting side as being stacked with a really good system, feeder system down below. And for me, Gratterall is a guy who on a win-now team can come up and be a 100-plus inning bullpen guy who could easily create 150 Ks if he's throwing that fastball. And if he can really, really hone in on the secondary pitches, he's somebody to me that can just come in and whether they want to try something. I've heard, you know, I can't remember where, somebody was talking about, well, he'd be the ultimate opener. I definitely see him as the ultimate, you know, end the sixth inning if the guy's in trouble, get you into the seventh and the eighth inning to set it up for Rodgers and whoever beyond that. But come 2025, I don't think Gratterall will get a single start. I, I just think if you're thinking you're going to roll Homer Bailey out there instead of Bruce Hall Gratterall, you're making a, a huge mistake. I don't disagree with the fact that Homer Bailey is not the the better pitcher. I think it has more to do with the 162 game season in 2020 and beyond. Um, and just very quickly, I mentioned off the top, Mason Martin and uh, Alec Mano, we will touch on them a little later. We're just hitting our controversial guys as we roll into the top 10 and then we're going to circle back. So if anyone's wondering why 
right off the hop. I just said somebody, Mason Martin, that you may not even know who the heck he is. Anywho, um, do you want to keep going on Gratterall here? Or do you want to agree to disagree? <laughs> well, we, we could probably do an entire episode of Bruce Art Gratterall, <laughs> but let's wait till the All-Star game and then maybe we can have a better topic. Yeah, because he'll probably be there out of the pen. Um, <laughs> number 47, Brent Honeywell. I'll do, I'm just going to say before we get into it, uh, I had him ranked way higher. Ty had him ranked way lower. The discussion ended at he has to be on this list, and 47 was as high as Ty was willing to go. He does not like him as much as Gratterall, uh, does not like him as much as Alex Manoa, and that's where I was able to come in. So uh, Honeywell, somebody we can talk about. Um, Randy Arizarina, who was just traded to Tampa Bay. Um, Dylan Carson's at 45 for us. Tariq Skubal, 44. Devin Smeltzer, 43. Randy Dobnik, 44. Those are both Minnesota pitchers. Uh, Skubal. 42 was Dobnik, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry, 43 and 42. Yeah, Dobnik and Smeltzer. Uh, Tariq Skubal is a Detroit Tiger. And then at... 41 Jackson Cower with Nico Horner of the Cubs at 40. So Ty, who do you want to dive into first? Um, what one of these guys is where you would never put them that I have them. Alex, Alex Manoa is the guy for me. Um, this is a guy that is, is incredibly polished for what is a very raw mechanical delivery. Um, the stuff, the touch and the feel are the things that I look for in power arms, and that's also why I like Gratterall. Um, I think some of the peripheral advantages that you want to look for in a starter are really evident here. I think the plus side for Manoa over a Gratterall is that Toronto's nowhere close to winning right now. He's going to get moved along at a pace that allows him to both develop but also reach the pros quickly. Um, so somewhere between super fast and medium, uh, is how fast Manoa is going to go. Whereas Gratterall, to your point, and the only defense I'll give your argument, <gasps> you've got only something? only defense yep, is that yep. they are ready to win. Yes, and if he's not ready to start, which there is always a remote possibility, uh, he could be a really successful reliever. I'm not saying he can't be a good reliever. Yeah. I think he's a better asset to the Twins as a starter. I so, agree on that too. I think he is definitely a better asset. I'm just thinking. For me, he's outside the top 50 because I see dominant reliever in him. And and just like a quick note to everybody else, he is the only person we talk about in this top 50 who has the potential to be a reliever at this point in time. Um, and it's because I think he could be so damn elite at it. And I don't disagree, Ty. It would be better if he's a if he's a starting pitcher. I have him in a in an auction league where I'm paying actual money for him. Uh, not just the league fee. Like I, I got him for a steal of a deal. I think it's a buck fifty. I would prefer that dollar fifty every year to go towards his starts um, as opposed to his bullpen time. So I'm with you there. Yeah, I mean those those guys are the ones that I like the most in this fifty or okay. forty to fifty category. The guy that I love to get excited about though that we haven't talked a whole lot about in past episodes is Nico Horner. I mean this is a guy that was drafted what last summer. Yeah, um, uh, eighteen or two whatever. summers ago. Sorry, and and went straight to the pros last season. So awesome uh, story for me that that talks about how intelligent this kid is. And those are some of the assets that I like to look at and look for. Uh, I think it's safe to say he's not going to be Alex Rodriguez at shortstop. I just don't think what? that's the ceiling. Uh, but I think if you get uh, who would be a good example, uh, Edgar Renteria 
out of him, I think he'd be pretty happy with that outcome. Uh, and I think ultimately he, that would be a good comparable um, from the overall profile. He doesn't really look or play like him, but I think the profile fits that kind of outcome, which is a mid-tier shortstop, a guy that if you're not getting the top 10 guys is a nice safety net a la, we talk about it, uh, Brandon Crawford type uh, value proposition. I think that, yeah, I think that's a pretty, pretty astute uh, line you just gave him there. Uh, 78 at bats last year, 13 runs, which is pretty good for that. Three dingers, 17 RBIs, three walks, 11 Ks, 282 average, and a 741 OPS. However, I watched him in Lansing last year um, when he was in high A. Well, is it high A at Lansing or is it just A yes. ball? Yes, high yeah? A. High A. Okay, I was thinking Dunedin would be your oh, no, high A. Dunedin is high A, you're right. Yeah, so it was just A ball in Lansing. And um, Horner came up against Fitz Stadler, who I remember on one of our earlier podcasts, I said, I thought good things of this guy. The, the man is a mountain on the hill, um, on the mound. He, he looked so good, but just, I don't know. what He's, not, he's never going to develop. But anyway, Horner looked like a professional amongst all of these amateurs that were, you know, early pros, amateurs, not trying to insult them. Um, he just looked like he was poised for big things. And even the announcers, when I watched the game on, after on MLB, uh, MILB TV, we're talking at length about, you know, Horner's professionalism and how he could move quickly through the, through the system. Well, fast forward five months later, he's up playing for the Cubs. So um, Horner's upside, as, as I think you said very accurately, Ty, is kind of limited. However, if you need somebody or want somebody to come in and just kind of be your shortstop, well, Horner should do it in, in 2019. I mean, the Cubs have separated themselves from Addison Russell um, Horner was the next guy in line. So unless they're going to go ahead and sign some kind of crafty vet or make a trade for a shortstop that could help bridge the gap, I could see Horner just being handed the keys next season. Well, I no, I, I think that's the one thing I want to note, though, is I think he's going to end up as a second baseman. So when you're building your depth chart, I think you want to slide him over to second. Uh, I think Baez is going to remain at shortstop. Uh, I think that's – he's more than capable on the glove work side of things. The arm is – maybe average or just above average, maybe. Um, so he's going to be fine there. And I think the fact that he's exploded onto the scene since they kind of moved him over there, I think will allow them to keep him there. So I would expect Horner, he's a smaller guy, profiles a little bit more as a second baseman. So um, that's where I see him playing out over the longer haul. Okay, and Horner's our 40th prospect here. Now I'll very quickly just touch uh, Honeywell at 47. We don't need to, you know, get really far into it. Um, I really like Honeywell's stuff. Ty, we've talked about it before. You think, you know, he's he's a broken man. I don't disagree that his elbow just blew up. Hey, come on now with, <laughs> with the wind sound effects. Um, this is the year, though. So I'm still in, and I think it's okay to love a guy um, because of the potential. That's That's what all the prospects have at the end of the day is – hopefully buckets and buckets of potential. We'll see who's able to turn that into MLB value. And, um, and a couple of guys before we jump ahead that I really yeah. want to get into are the two Minnesota guys in Smelter and Dobnik. Um, Dobnik's a guy that absolutely terrifies me. Uh, I'm not excited about Dobnik. Uh, people seem to like him. I just don't see it. I just see him as a guy that it kind of came out of nowhere and will disappear back into that same place uh, really, really quickly. Um, really? you know, ultimately on the flip side of that, I think Devin Smeltzer is a huge value opportunity. I think he's a forgotten man in Minnesota. 
And if he's not being pushed into that rotation, which it looks more and more evident that that's not how they're going to use him, I think he fits better in that save-hold category as a sneaky seventh-inning guy. Uh, I think that could drive a ton of value if you've got a save-hold category. I really, really like him. I think he's really affordable in almost every format. Love him as an underappreciated guy. Yeah, well, I mean, you're right on Dobnik in the sense that he did come out of nowhere. Now, I, I mean, depending on who's listening to this that has a list, somebody's going to say, I had him as a top whatever guy. Yeah, okay, cool. Sure you did before 2019. He was playing A-ball as a 23-year-old in 2019. Now, that's that's a little back, even as a college arm, but he put up 129 innings. Um, what's the quick line on him here? Uh, with a 1.26 whip, which is not great. And uh, I'm not even seeing his ERA here. So, But he moved up last year. He played high A, double A, triple A, finished the year in the majors. And that's amazing. Like, we, we don't see that all the time. Guys get pushed, but he had over 160 innings of pro ball last year. Uh, the Ks are okay you know it's it's under it's under one an inning um but the the guys era and the pros was great it was 159 i mean the big red flag for me though is he got beat up in the playoffs against a good team and i think more the more times he goes through the more evident it's going to be that he's out of place so that's my fear for him is that he just doesn't have staying power i think his era has been in his favor it's the peripherals that don't lineup is great so his era last year in all like in uh, a double a and triple a was 207 the year before when he pitched what was the innings total here before i say 129 in 2018 he had a 314 era so he he might just be a good pitcher the results might somehow be good um, which would lead you to more to think of points but to me dobnik does the job and and he's definitely somebody that i am interested in um acquiring depending on the cost now if you're in a rookie draft i'm certainly taking guys with some higher upside but if i'm looking over the next five years he's somebody that i'm interested in and to your point about um smeltzer he again he came up a little bit slower he was double a triple a last year finishing in minnesota era in in the in the minors was 276 he came up and still kept it under four 386 and 49 innings so he's almost lost rookie eligibility which again He's not going to be really high up on any of the lists, but this is a guy who by the end of the season should be an established major leaguer. It's a matter of, is he an established reliever as Ty you've alluded to or a pitcher? I saw the, or sorry, as a pitcher, as a starter, I saw the starter upside and that's why he's on our list. Cause I had him up a little higher. Um, and, and yeah, Treek Scooble came out of nowhere last year, uh, put up great lines, uh, finished the year really well in Erie and is part of a, a really good core group in Detroit that I think are going to do some good things on the mound. It's really a matter of can Detroit get their, hitch, their hitting in place um, to match the pitching talent they have coming up. And somebody that I did want to talk about because we do differ on this guy is number 45, Dylan Carlson of St. Louis. He's a lot higher on a lot of dynasty lists. He's 21 heading into this season. will finish 2024 as a 25-year-old. He should be up this year. But personally... I'm not a fan of the way St. Louis uses their outfielders. Um, I, that, get, that gives a big dip to me. We've seen them, I don't want to say mismanage, because like your point is, is well made, Ty, and you're, you're going to do it here. Um, St. Louis just doesn't give enough at-bats to players that we in fantasy want to see. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, the Cardinals literally term it the Cardinal way, 
right? They talk about it internally. They're very blunt about it in the media. And for that reason, you've got to taper your expectations on timeline for these guys. Uh, I mean, Carlson is, is a guy that you should get excited about. Uh, the catch here is, and this is why we're doing our list, is that the reality of him reaching the pros is going to be delayed. It's going to be impacted by guys like Bader and O'Neill and Fowler that are already in those spots that Carlson's looking to fill. That said, he's a lefty. There is a, a huge percentage of, of at-bats that need to be filled in that St. Louis lineup from the left side of the plate. So he does have that advantage. Um, I actually think he's a switch hitter, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He's definitely a switch hitter. So, um, you know, that, that bodes well that he can hit from the left side because uh, they, they'll get him. So I wouldn't be surprised if he moves quickly to this scenario if they're in the playoff run that you might see him in September. I have no expectations that he makes it to the pros before that. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot to like here. I just think, you know, similar to what we've talked about with Cincinnati, like I just think there's, um, you know, some at-bat challenges that are really going to impact his value over the next five seasons. Ultimately, the final point I'll make on Carlson and the big thing I'm worried about, he's a bit of a short strider, and short striders scare that living hell out of me. Um, so that's the one thing that I'm concerned with, with him is I just, I could impact his power, uh, a little bit more than I'd like it to. Yeah. This is certainly somebody that everyone else is going to have ranked higher right now. And that's fine. Um, we're concerned about the break in and everything else beyond that. So the final guy I think that we haven't really discussed is Jackson Cower. Um, I would put him fourth on the KC4, I think is what I was trying to call them a few episodes ago. Uh, the 2019 was not the best for him, but it certainly was was fine. There's a 22-year-old playing at levels where he was one and two years younger at uh, high A and double A. He put together a perfectly fine season. Uh, what were the innings totals here? 350 was his ERA. I think he was somewhere around 140 innings total and just under a K per nine here or a K per inning. Sorry. Um, his whip was okay. 1.24. My cutoff is always 1.25 for guys, but we know at the younger level or sorry, at the lower levels. And when guys are younger, things are going to be a little bit more volatile or can be at times. Um, so for me, Jackson Cowers is a guy who's going to get, I think the start of the season at double a and finish at triple a potentially even a September call up. He had 13 starts in high a 13 starts in double a it it could even be if casey wants they could throw him right in triple a they've got a stacked system from pitching from that really really aggressive 2018 draft and to me cower is fourth in line uh in casey but certainly somebody who come 2021 should be in line for 30 starts assuming health yeah no i mean i, I i'm interested to watch casey i mean dayton moore has done a pretty respectable job of reloading that roster. And it's definitely a farm system you need to pay attention to. Uh, they think a little outside the box. It's exciting to watch. They've been relying on speed the last couple of seasons. That's not going to be the rebound strategy. So fun one to watch. They've got a whole crop of pitching coming, and it's going to be fun to watch. Absolutely. Plus Brett Phillips, breakout 2020. Burt, Burt, red alert, and, red alert. And the laugh. Hey. Don't go for the sound effects. Don't do that to me. No, I don't, I don't have a laugh one. Oh, thank goodness. 
Um, so I'll move on from 39 to 30. I'll, I'll rhyme them off from 39 down to 30. And then, Ty, we can circle back to discuss. 39, Brendan Rogers of Colorado. Uh, 38, his teammate, Sam Hilliard. Outfielder, 37, A.J. Puck. 36, Forrest Whitley. That is correct. 35, Jose Iroquati. One in front of him, his teammate. 34, uh, Debbie Garcia, a Yankee pitcher. 33, Michael Kopech. Probably never heard of him. 32, uh, Chris Bubik of KC, 31, Daniel Lynch of KC, and 30, Seth Beer of Arizona. So, Ty, who do you love? Who should be higher? Who did I hold back with my <laughs> rankings to leave them in the 30s? AJ Puck is a top 10 piece for me. Um, this is a guy that should be much, much higher. I love AJ Puck. I think he is so underappreciated because of the injury problems he faced last season. Uh, the end of the previous season that impacted last year, he's going to be an absolute stud. And people have forgotten about him. And you're talking about a guy that the scouting report ranks this, fastball 65, slider 60, curveball currently 50 with 55 upside, changeup currently 55 with 60 upside. His really only knock is command, and oh, it's 50. So you're talking about a guy that has all the assets in the world, He's going to get a chance to pitch in a pitcher's ballpark. The only catch in 2020 is going to be inning count. But beyond that, this kid is the real deal. This is Cy Young talent. People keep talking about Jesus Lazardo because he's projectable. AJ Puck is the guy. And I know you love Frankie Montaz in Oakland. And you've got guys like Sean Manai out there and others. But mm -hmm. AJ Puck is the guy in that rotation. So get him now before people wake up to the fact that this kid is an absolute stud. Okay. And then on the other side of, <laughs> of, of the love is the hate. And yes. that is all pointed at Brendan Rogers. Uh, this what? is a kid that I do not love. Um, the only thing I like about him is that he plays baseball with the top button undone. And those guys normally get moved up. They're the, the baseball equivalent of football's neck guards. The line, the old uh, middle <laughs> linebackers used to wear. Oh, and yeah. So I, I dig the grittiness. That said, I just, this is a kid that has had literally nobody in front of him, right? Ryan McMahon didn't have a great start to last season. Where was Brendan Rodgers? Nowhere. Crickets. There's no reason he to was love in AAA Brendan. hitting 350. Cool. Yeah. You know what? You and I could probably hit 200 in, in the altitude, too. So Honestly, uh, he was hurt to start last. I think it was to start last year, or he got hurt early last year. He only played 37 games at AAA um, as a 22-year-old. But to your point, Ty, I get it. Uh, he's got some he, – his 2018 was kind of his downfall at AA. Uh, AA, AAA, where he combined it, 268 and an OPS under 800. And as we know, Colorado's system is supposed to be 1,000 OPS guys across the board. Um, in the PCL, if you're not hitting 30 bombs and two, 270 minimum, then I'm, I'm not even looking, not even paying attention. And he was on the cusp, not of the bombs, but uh, what was he? As a 19-year-old, he was hitting 280 with 19 dingers. As a 20-year-old, he was hitting 336 with 18 dingers. That's the, that was his peak right there. And then uh, 18, he came down to 268 with 17 dingers to 19, where he got a cup of coffee in the bigs. 
uh, and did not do well. But in AAA, he had nine dingers and 350 average in 160 plate appearances. But in half the number of plate appearances, he still managed seven dingers. Um, sorry, uh, not seven dingers. In uh, 20, sorry, 25 games, 81 plate appearances, he, he struggled to a 224 um, average and a 522 OPS. But end of the day here, he's he's not broken. He's just young. I just you know? don't know that he's as good as the projections have had, have been for him. He was an, he was a draft pick, highly touted. He's rode that wave. He's been respectable. You got no issues with that. But there's hundreds of players in the last couple of years that have come up under the same caliber and disappeared. Anthony Alford is a guy like that. And there's countless others in every other system that they peak out this way. And they're super good quad A players. And Brendan Rodgers has all the warning signs for me to be that guy. That's fair. I hope I'm wrong. I want nothing more for the kid than to succeed. I see red flags that I'm concerned with. Yeah, fair enough. I I think he he's one of the guys kind of like a, uh, well, I don't want to say it right now, but I I think he's one of the guys that can overcome uh, his stat line to a a point and be more replicant or reminiscent of AAA than his initial taste of MLB. I don't mind being wrong. Like Juan Soto was a guy that had red flags all over him. He fixed them. I love that Brandon, in our home league, uh, Trevor brought up your Juan Soto trade. Uh, it was great. Uh, yeah. I appreciate times. it. I appreciate good chirp. Uh, and, and that was yeah, it was a straight dig, and he hit me right where it hurt. Um, Do you, what I, was the trade again? It, you traded Soto, who had just been called up and was on fire. But and were, I had crazy outfield depth at this point, so keep right. that in mind. Like, I didn't need him. He was sitting on my bench. The listeners um, don't care, but continue. Correct. Well, I gotta give some justification. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, I know. And I, know. and I, I had some injuries on the pitching side, and I have, I never draft a bullpen in that league because I always acquire bullpen in season. Always have. Um, and Kelvin Herrera was before he got sent to the Nationals, um, which pretty much ended his career by by the hey, way he's pitched. I own him in two dynasty leagues right now as he's, a White Sox. The minute he got <laughs> traded to the Nationals, he just forgot how to pitch. It was awful. He it's believes weird so how many that saves. happened to the national, Nationals it, a few times, right? It was crazy. And the other guy was Aaron Sanchez, who um, was a starter, and I needed a starter desperately. So uh, I, was, I was training a 19-year-old kid that was on fire, seeing all fastballs. I didn't love the swing. I saw some holes. There were still holes all the way to the end of that season. And, you know, again, to his credit, he fixed them all last season. So um I'm, i am a juan soto fan at this point in time that trade still hurts me to this day yeah much like if i ever uh come on to devers again well, i shouldn't say ever i was really high on devers um when he broke in and pr- just prior to his break-in uh but after the 2018 disappointment i was off in all formats and got rid of each and every share of him so i We'll maybe come around to Devers. We'll see at this point in time. Uh, Ronnie Roto is still bringing it up that he's somebody I was wrong on last year. And as I said to him, ask any of the head-to-head playoff teams how he did. Um, he screwed you in April, and he did it again down the stretch. Uh, some guys can do it. Some guys can't. So Brendan Rodgers, to put a bow on him, um, 39th on the list. We have Hilliard at 8, got a cup of coffee last year. Really good power numbers. I can see that continuing. Puck at 37, you mentioned already. Forrest Whitley at 36. I'm not sold on the Arizona Fall League results after his horrific AAA season. Um, he was hurt last year. I get it. We're still dealing 
with top 36 prospects at this point. Um, this is not like an indictment of him. He's not a bad pitcher. He's not a bad teammate. He's, you know, this is a guy who I still expect good things from, or he wouldn't be in a top 50 list when we're talking about players who have rookie eligibility right now, um, who should in all likelihood lose it in 2020. So his teammate, Jose Iroquati, who who is a kind of came out of nowhere guy, um, he, he's a good pitcher. Uh, you know, he looks to be their SP4, or SP5, depending on what you want to do with Whitley and uh, Lance McCullers coming into this year. Uh, a, a good K rate, a guy with a good pitch mix. Uh, he's 24 right now, will finish 2024 20, as a 29-year-old. And somebody I'm definitely interested in, uh, his rookie eligibility, depending on the leagues you're in, somebody might really reach on him. And if they do, that's fine. Um, I do see him as a good piece moving forward. Uh, is that something you object to, Ty? Or are you okay? You're no, I, I, I'm good with your Queedy. I, I The thing that I am excited to watch is actually who's managing that team, first of all. And then second of all, <laughs> um, you know, there's going to be a spring battle here. Uh, the guy that people have forgotten about is Josh James. And his stuff is electric. And he reminds me a lot. A good comparable would be Luis Castillo in Cincinnati, where the stuff is Whoa. so good that you can't control it. And until he gets that control in, it's hard to send him out there for five to seven innings every night. Um, and Castillo got it figured out. Josh James will get it figured out. He was significantly better last season out of their pen. I think they're going to stretch him out and give him a shot this year. But my concern for your equity is that if James figures out his stuff, you've got Lance McCullers coming back. Is there a spot for your equity in that? in that rotation. That's a big, what if you have Verlander, Granke, uh, McCullers, James, uh, who am I missing? Well, the potential for Whitley in addition, uh, Whitley's I not will... going to start that rotation. That's fact. <laughs> Take it to the bank. It's not happening. Okay. Well, I mean, a lot of things are going to change in Houston, but specifically off the top here, uh, it's it's peacock and peacock's always been the sp5 that's never ended up doing it so i don't see why your equity isn't the sp4 and again i'm not disagreeing with you on whitley i had him you know i i'm not i'm not in on whitley in any format he's good i just don't know that what he did last year was a blip that could be more who he is but verlander greaky mccullers your equity peacock is what roster resource has right now and then, as you had said, Josh James, who they have as like their third best um, RP, James isn't, you know, he's going to be 27, I think, to start the year. He isn't as high anymore on their depth chart. He also doesn't have rookie eligibility, so he doesn't qualify for this conversation. But as far as the um, starting pitchers go, your Quaidy's a guy I can definitely see being in the mix all season long, straight through. Uh, yeah. So uh, before we move on, I'm, I'm not so yep. certain that. Josh James is is that old. Uh, 26 coming in this year. Uh, birthday of March 8th. So, yeah, you're right. He's going to be 27. Good call. You yeah. had that one dialed up. Did you have Thanks. that written down somewhere? Uh, in my secret notes. Okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you go back to the, the scouting report on Josh James, the fastball is rated 70. Like, that's, that's beastly, right? So, that does profile towards the pen, to be fair. Um, sliders 55, changeups 55, command 45. And, and yeah. again, we talked about that already. That is 
the defining factor of Josh James is can he locate his electric stuff? Because the, the other stuff's going to be set up by, by a 70 grade fastball. That's just a fact. And so if he's locating that pitch, it's, it's on like Donkey Kong. So uh, I saw things at the end of last season that I really, really liked. I think he's going to get every chance to win that fifth spot. Whereas they know Peacock can fill a rotate or a bullpen spot. And they're happy with him in that transition uh, long relief ro- role um, as well. Yeah. And I think we mentioned maybe two podcasts ago, maybe three, the idea of guys who are kind of on the cusp is really entertaining of guys who could be in triple a, but also could start the year and go wire to wire in the bigs. Those are the guys who might work on a new pitch. Something might click for them. Um, and that's not going to happen with Debbie Garcia, who's 34 in New York. Um, New York is buying their pitching. It's going to be a little harder for Debbie to just walk into a role, but somebody gets injured all the time. I certainly see him coming up in the second half of the season and really 2021. That's when we're going to get to see a good look at him at the MLB level. Um, Kopech to the same extent is working his way back from an injury second half of 2020. I'm really hoping he's able to go into extended spring training at the end of this year and then step in maybe in mid may and start to pitch again and then come back into the bigs. Um, Chris Bubik was a big surprise in KC. He had a high K output last year, I think finished a double a I'll have a quick look at that right now. And then Daniel Lynch, who's the, um, I mean, he's getting hyped. I would say he's the big hype guy in Kansas City right now. Um, Singer, I think, it's so strange to say, but there's so much information out there right now that I feel like Brady Singer has almost been overlooked because Daniel Lynch had a good season. And it's not fair to him, but it's exactly what's happening right now because a lot of paid writers need to put articles out there and they don't want to say, hey, you remember that highly touted prospect? He is a highly touted prospect. They want to find all of the um, needles in the haystack, if you will, which is kind of, I think, why Lynch is getting getting the hype he has. But um, to Bubik's point, he was, let's see here, 149 innings and 185 Ks. Beautiful numbers from him. And that's all with 42 walks, which left him with a little bit higher, um, sorry, with, with a really good whip of .971. Um, but the ERA was a, a little bit higher than I had originally thought uh, in 2018 from 403 came down in 19 to 223. So I have him right in line, I think, with where he should be. He's just outside the top 10 for SP prospects. Um, and yeah, 30, Seth Beer came over in that Houston trade, solid player. Um, are you good with these guys, Ty? Do you want to get into the top 30 now? Um, you know, the only other, um, one on this list, like I, I like the potential on Daniel Lynch to your point. I think the hype, there's some stuff to get excited about really good fastball. I really like the movement on it. My concern is, is the secondary stuff. The curveball is there. Um, it's almost like a little bit of a slurve type thing. Uh, I think there's some upside to it, but Kind of looked like he's throwing off his heel a little bit, and that could be what's missing. Uh, I think Casey will get him figured out. Uh, he's a guy that is on my to-watch list because I don't think we have enough information on him yet, but I think we will. Seth Beer is a guy that you know came out of Clemson, has all the, the makings of a fast-moving first-base bat, 
there's really, you know, Christian Walker's in front of him in Arizona, but not really in a way that you need and to be. Cron, potentially Cron, just for any of those. No, Cron's uh, in who... Detroit. No, 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 not CJ Cron. Um, oh, Kevin Cron, who came up out of nowhere. He's a, he's oh. a like mid late twenties. Anyway, he stole some at, at bats last year. May or may not right. stick. It, it, that guy is not going to get in the way of Seth Beer. Um, Christian Walker could slow him down a fraction, uh, but at the same time, Christian Walker, I think, could also play the outfield if necessary. So beyond, be, beyond that, I get excited about where we're going with the top 30. The guy in this list that I have a, a steadfast rule of staying away from uh, is Davey Garcia. The amount of Yankee overhyped starting pitchers that have come out of their system in the last 10 years what? is ridiculous. Like seriously, <laughs> name name more than Severino. Yeah, I know. Right, the guys that have been traded, they turned into nobodies. Well, it I th- wasn't the last one prior to Severino that that like was an MLB pitcher, not a hyped and out of there or Japanese or whatever. Was it not Phil Hughes? Am I missing somebody who stuck around for multiple seasons as an MLB pitcher? Yeah, like Phil the last Hughes. homegrown. Yeah, the last homegrown guy before that's like Andy Pettit. Yeah, and yeah, and then we're back a full generation. Yeah, but but okay. it's a really serious note, though, right? Like the Yankees have a history of taking all of these guys, making them into huge prospects, turning them into a left-handed bat, and they turn into nobodies at the major league level. So the one guy <laughs> I do think on that note, really quickly, that you should pay attention to—he's not anywhere on this list, but it's topical. Chance Adam is going to be the guy to watch in Kansas City. Mark my words. Ew. I thought you were so, going to say Greg Bird once more, so I'll just be happy um, that you didn't say Greg Bird. No, we'll get into him in another episode. We, ne- we need like a bird, bird, bird. Bird is the word. As soon as you want to talk about him, so then everybody can just like skip forward for two minutes or something. <laughs> uh, so I'll rhyme off the guys, Ty. We'll touch on who we want to touch on. Again, you can always hit us up at Dinger's Pod for any questions about guys, any more detailed information, um, at Tourney Boss or at Robbie Wawa, or sorry, Robbie Baseball One. Um, Think about the old one, uh, Wawa, back with my restaurant. So 29, uh, Justin Dunn, pitcher for Seattle. 28, Daz Cameron, Detroit outfielder. 27, Royce Lewis, shortstop, possible outfielder for Minnesota. 26, Matt Manning, Detroit starting pitcher. Uh, Kyle Lewis coming in at 25, outfielder with Seattle. 24, Ryan Mountcastle. First baseman with Baltimore, 23, Brendan McKay, starting pitcher for Tampa, 22, Brady Singer, starting pitcher for KC, 21, Nick Solick, Texas Ranger, second base, third base, outfielder. I don't know where he's going to play, but he's supposed to be a third baseman. And then rounding out into the 20 spot, Spencer Howard, Philly's starting pitcher. Um, Who do you want to discuss here? Do you want to go from 29 down and just yeah, do a little I, I think we're getting I think we're getting into guys we need to touch on at every tier. Um, Justin Dunn has maybe the sexiest slider in the minor leagues right now, arguably in the pros because he's he's on the cusp there. Um, it's tight and I love it. I I think my big concern with Justin Dunn is the fastball's not. It just it it's missing that little something something you know and. I, I I don't love it, but I think the peripheral stuff is going to help him get by. I think he's more of an SP3. I think Seattle wants him to be an SP1 or 2, 
Uh, I slot him in as an SP3, and I think he'll have a, a pretty decent career, assuming injuries don't creep in. That's very interesting. Um, I I really like Dunn. I think I think he came in last year, got a little a little touch, and this year probably um, I I'm not sure if they give it to Sheffield or if they give it to Dunn. I feel like one of those guys is going to be SP five, the other one's going to go to AAA. But by mid season, they're both up, they're both pitching, and that's one of the reasons why there's added value to Dunn is that he can be one of those struggle and develop at the MLB level guys. Not that I don't like his skills and abilities but um just the fact that seattle's not in a position where they're poised to win even a year ago they had a better looking initial lineup than how well, they finished the season and i mean i, ju- I just rewatched a little video done before we jumped on here and i found a really nice clip with his slider and i mean my reaction was this holy shnikes <laughs> so i get i get pretty excited <laughs> about that pitch because it's fun to watch and i appreciate good stuff so I see that caliber. If the fastball can develop a little bit more, I, I like where he could go. I just think there's a little bit of polish left uh, on that one. Um, a guy that has all kinds of room for polish still is Daz Cameron in Detroit. I think he has a straight shot uh, to the pros. I don't think there's any reason if he can put a good spring together that Detroit needs to send him down for seasoning. I think this is a guy that's either going to be a pro or he's not. He plays phenomenal defense. That's not going to be a problem. His hit tool is really the thing that's holding him back. Uh, the, the scouting report still has him at 35 with the upside of 55, but all the other stats are there, right? I mean, he's he's got good defensive stats. He runs well. Um, the raw power is respectable, not great, but he's a center fielder, so who cares? Um, and the raw power... Um, or sorry, the raw power is good. The game power is not so much. So, um, you know, there's there's lots to like here as a center fielder. But in the next couple of years, Detroit just needs somebody that can go catch baseballs. And he can certainly do that. So I think he's going to get a real shot. And for that reason, that's where I, he belongs here in this list because I think there's nothing stopping him from getting at bats where some of these other guys in this list, although might be more talented, are definitely not or definitely have more impediments to getting them to the at-bat scenario. So do you like Daz? Do you think he's a guy that can be there? I, I think he will develop the hit tool. Uh, might take a little bit longer than he'd like. I really like him going into 21 or 22 more so than I do like him right now, but I just think he's going to get the opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's it. He's got the opportunity. He's got the ability. Um to hold his position through struggle, which is certainly hard at his age, uh, 20 to 24. So, um, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a guy who's going to be able to get in there and you can even in dynasty format, you can watch him develop or, or, you know, get his at bats this season. And depending on who has him in your league, if it's a competing team, if it's somebody in the middle of the pack, his value might be going down as he's getting MLB at bats and potentially struggling to the point that you'd be able to get him. And then two years from now, you're laughing because he's going to be doing all the things and hitting all the points he's supposed to. So Yeah, make your money on deficit. Go get it. Definitely. Um, Royce Lewis, this is a guy we touched on, I think, a little bit in the last episode. That crowded Minnesota infield might make him a potential outfielder to at least get started to crack the lineup. He did not have a good stat line uh, last year. Apparently was injured for a period of time, tried to play through the injury. We've heard that before. 
guys have come back and continued to struggle while others have actually sorted it out. Um, Lewis has that type of stat line that I think he, or sorry, not stat line, that type of pedigree that I think the stat line can be ignored. Um, yeah. Do you want to touch on him or go right up? Yeah. To I mean, this Manny is a guy that went straight up to the top of the prospect rankings, right? So, you know, definitely a guy that has slipped and I don't know that that's, you know, the right mentality for a guy like Royce Lewis. Like he's still ranked ninth overall in the hundred top 100 uh, MLB pipeline. He was higher going into last season, right? So I, I think the big knock on Franco, or sorry, not Franco, on Lewis um, is really just, you know, is he going to be more than just a defensive shortstop? And I think, you know, the early indications at the lower levels was that, yeah, he is going to be um, a little bit more. But then I think people have wavered off that. His raw power uh, is, is a 65-grade, game power 60. Uh, so there's still lots there. The hit tool is, again, a lot like Daz Cameron, is a guy that is still 30, projecting towards 50. So if he gets into that 45-50 range, he's going to be a real guy. I think, though, with the other shortstop talent, that Minnesota has and the window they have to win. I think Royce Lewis is a guy that could be traded um, because of all the hit tools they have in that lineup. I think they, they don't really need him per se. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Minnesota does because they're really, really deep at shortstop. Yeah, they, they are. That's like, <laughs> that's why it's kind of tough when you have a good team and a highly touted prospect you know, what kind of shakes out for all that. So, um, but on the opposite side, you get into Detroit, uh, Matt Manning, he's got a pretty clear path to starts as early as later this season in Detroit, uh, health on his side. I know you had a good look at, um, his, uh, pitching his arm slot, uh, everything for him. Um, what are you thinking I, on Manning? I mean, you could see him bulk up over a couple of years. I, I think the mechanics are, are tight. Uh, I really like the delivery. My my only concern is the curveball was very, very, very good. And it appears that his arm angle seems to be broadened up just a touch. Looks really good for the fastball. It's really developed the changeup coming from there. My concern is from that same arm slot because it's a touch higher. It is harder to really bury that curveball as an out pitch. That doesn't mean it can't be effective in getting outs. I just don't know that it's the same strikeout pitch that it was before. Um, that said, without watching a lot more from behind the plate footage, uh, which isn't always the easiest thing in the world to find, uh, hard to tell what that delivery looks like from that. So it's hard to say if it's better or worse. But my big thing that I'm looking for, Matt Manning, in 2020 is does that curveball develop? Because if it – not develop, but – maintains and and continues to be a good pitch he's the real deal and we talked about it before the this episode he could be a better long-term asset than Casey Mize and that's saying a lot uh because Casey Mize is a real stud absolutely and that's the thing with Matt Manning is that it's kind of he's he's kind of risen his rank through his results uh, wow I'm almost rhyming here uh, up to the Casey Mize level, but everybody's forgetting. Um, I, th I think it's just because when you're, you come in, you're good. You know, Casey Mize wasn't supposed to be the best player in his draft year. Then he came out and had a really good year, but people are just trying to find a way. So Matt Manning has done a really good job for himself. 
And now they're they're kind of on par, which is great news for Detroit and great news for fantasy owners who have them. So and that somebody, whole well, that whole pitching stock is just Richard. Who's your favorite little rascal? Alfalfa? Or is it Spanky? I mean, Sinner. they just have all kinds <laughs> of options, and it's fantastic. So, you know, it's it's exciting for Detroit. We've talked about it in previous episodes, though. They have no bats, none. Yeah. They're garbage. And they have all these guys, and it'll be really interesting to see what 2020 brings. Uh, if they can trade a couple of the guys at the major league level, the Boyds of the world, the Daniel Norris's, and turn them into some bats at some point, who knows? That's got to be the big thing in Detroit right now is – trying to figure out how can you leverage the, I don't know, the little MLB strengths you have to get young hitters elsewhere. Um, when you've got DePoto on the block, who was out there trying to do that the last couple of years in picking up all those kind of pieces. So Detroit's a little late to the game, but it doesn't mean there won't be lots out there for them. Um, moving into Kyle Lewis, who took the slow route through a lot of injuries. Um, nothing he could really do about it. The guy gets hurt guy gets hurt um he broke in last year as a 23 year old so he'll start 2020 as a 24 year old but finish as a 29 year old um you know you've got a comment here nice short swing uh y- you like the guy he was really Hello. what was that it's me is that is that you kyle that is Kyle Lewis hello my name is post hype yes and this is a guy I've forgotten soul Right. I mean, the the short swing that he possesses is beautiful. It's fun to watch. It's quick to the ball. This is a kid that is going to do some real damage. Uh, I think, again, uh, you you alluded to it before we jumped on here when when we were getting excited about Kyle Lewis. Uh, I mean, this is a guy that used to be the cream of the crop, used to be a guy that everyone talked about. He was a top prospect, had some injury troubles, disappeared. And your boy, Jerry DePoto, Loves Kyle Lewis. So what what do you like about Kyle Lewis as a Jerry DePoto fanboy? <laughs> well, I mean, he he fell into Lewis. Uh he's just been hurt. And now now that he's healthy, he looks like an MLB or he finished last year in the bigs. I assume he will start this year uh back at AAA for a short stint, probably more so to just make sure he's ready to go for the full season. Um, they might sit him a little bit in AAA and then have him come up for no other reason than just rest. You don't want to, you know, overplay your hand on those guys. Um, but I, I just, I'm excited to see Lewis up and another I mean, guy who, sorry, go ahead. I, the only thing I was going to say, like, these are 24 year old peak athletes. Like these kids have played baseball every day of their life. And I don't think you can damage him by getting him out there. I want to see him out there. The, the, um, scouting reports are have him as a 35 on the hit tool and a 40 as the high end. I think that's off based on what I watched from his pro at bats. He's quick to the ball. I think he's going to be fine. I think that hit tool is closer to 55. I, I that's why I'm excited about Kyle Lewis because I think this is a super buy low option. I, I honestly think sometimes it becomes a fatigue, like we talked about post hype, like they've. People have been talking about Kyle Lewis for a few years. They want to talk about somebody else. So Kyle Lewis falls down the charts. Kyle Lewis is injured. He comes back. He's not the elite guy that he was prior to the injury because he's still working himself back. So he falls down. So for us, he's 25. He's at the midway point for us. So now we're inside the top 25. 
with Ryan Mountcastle, first baseman. Um, you know, Ty, your comment here, very in-depth. Um, me likey is what you wrote. And I agree. Tell me likey. Uh, Tell me want wingy. Somebody's been Tell watching. Tell me likey. Tell me. Oh, we hear a double smash there. The devil. Somebody's been watching Tommy Boy. Um, well, I just have a nice folder on my soundboard. It works lovely. It just What's not to love about Tommy Boy? Right. And what's not to love about Ryan Mountcastle? Ryan Mountcastle, the guy can hit. He proved it at AAA last year. I think he led his league in average. And it's just a matter of how can Baltimore balance the Chris Davis contract, the think Trumbo's got still back this year. Um, how can you just get him in the lineup with Trey Mancini is going to be your first base. The 18 always play outfield. Um, I, I want to see Ryan Mountcastle up. I think he's going to be up at some point early on this year and he's going to stay. Yeah. I mean, Trey Mancini needs to be traded. Uh, nothing to do with him. He's just not going to be around for the good years in Baltimore. Um, depending on, who needs a first baseman at the deadline? I'd love to see Baltimore move them for their sake. Um, but Ryan Mountcastle is going to be a monster. I mean, this is a bit of a short stride for my liking. We talk about, I've talked about it a lot. Um, I just, I don't love those guys because there's a little more risk in their swing. Uh, but the, just the pivot he puts on it is gross and I love it. And it's fun to watch. And I, I think he's going to be just fine. I think Baltimore is going to be under an incredible amount of pressure to put them in the pros this year. Um, whether they do it out of spring or later, they need to sell some tickets. And Ryan Mountcastle is the kind of guy that's going to sell tickets. And as a result, get him now before he goes on a 10 home run streak in his first 25 games. So, um, And likewise, if you own him and you want to maximize value, take advantage of some guy that wants to overpay the crap out of him when he hits those 10 home runs. Certainly with you there. Brendan McKay came in last year, Tampa Bay starting pitcher, 24 for this year to 29 at the end of 2024. Um, we're discounting the hitting here, just talking about him from a pitching standpoint. Uh, did not have a great stat line overall. However, the guy's a top talent, very good, and I see good things from him forward in a Tampa Bay system that is locked and loaded. I see McKay as a good Tampa Bay pitcher moving forward. Um, singer on the other end of that in Kansas City. He's got the door wide open for him to come in and do good things in Kansas City, possibly as early as the end of the season. I, I don't know if Kansas City is going to push anybody up before September, but it'd be kind of funny if they just like, you know, DFA'd their starting five, maybe held on to Duffy and then just brought in all the four, the KC four, and just let them go into September. They're not ready. Um, Brady Singer is the real deal. Um, he's still grossly undervalued. And you talked about how he's getting very little press when we we're talking about Lynch. Uh, I, this is a guy that has top caliber talent, was drafted that way. There's no reason you should be scared of Brady Singer in any way, shape, or form. And because he's in Kansas City and Kansas City sucks right now, I think people are still sleeping on him a touch. Get him now while you can because – it won't be long before he's an untouchable. And you're going to want a guy like Brady Singer on your club if he can make it happen. So don't be shy. Give up something that makes sense for you to get him. And if you're trying to win this season, he's not your guy. That's a fact. But the stuff's there, the caliber of, of draft compensation they, they needed to get it done. What was he, third overall? Sorry, Singer? 
Yeah, wasn't he in our first rounder? Uh, he yeah, he was a first rounder, but he I think he was top ten. Uh, I thought yeah, they right. had like. Are you gonna look it up, or do you want me to uh, look it up? I got it. I got okay. it. Okay. Um, I'll quickly go up here to Nick Solak and Spencer Howard that gets us up to the top twenty. Uh, Solak came up last year uh, with Texas. Eighteen. Oh, 18 over. Okay, yeah, yeah. So he was the first though of that crew of guys who went um, with Lynch, Bubik, and Core. Um, yeah, like Fangraphs scouting report is very mundane um, for Brady Singer. This is a guy I want to own. Uh, big frame, lots of upside. Um, you know, very projectable command. Uh, just a guy that that takes away your risk. Again, this is for those of you that are new to the show. This is my profile. I'm a high floor guy. Brady Singer fits that profile to a T. And and the big bonus here is that he's not blocked like there's no scenario in which he will not get ml uh, aside from injury in which he will not get mlb appearances any later than 2021 and because he's good even if he's an sp3 uh you know top whatever top 75 no worse than top 100 sp from that point on he's giving you really good value in your points in your roto um in your head-to-head cats so for me he's a big guy uh touching back quickly on nick Solak. Came up last year. Uh, he's a good Texas guy. We touched, I think, on the last episode discussing the blocking with Todd Frazier, how that's just going to be part of a little bit of this upcoming 2020 season. But Solik should settle in nicely in Texas, ideally at third base. Um, and I like him there. And then Spencer Howard, who is somebody that I know you uh, had a good look at the tape. He's been getting a lot of hype recently. So there's that little dusting of trade value with him. He might be our first guy that you can really touch on as somebody who's hyped a bit with the trade value because he's come in, done what he's supposed to do. Um, do you want to talk a little bit here about Spencer Howard? Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that I think has lots to at least be patient with. I mean, my my big concern here, big, slow delivery, um, very predictable stuff. Like, it really didn't blow me away. I didn't say anything that, you know, we talked about, uh, Justin Dunn already and in, in how his stuff kind of jumped at you. I don't feel that way in any way, shape, or form uh, about Spencer Howard. He's a Philadelphia Philly prospect, 23 years old. Uh, he was a second round. He went to California Polytechnic State. I mean, that is some deep research on the Philly scouting uh, <laughs> So college the Juco arms, guys can be good, right? Like we totally. Jackson Rutledge is somebody I really believe in. Um, not within this time frame here, but yeah. We we talk college arms all the time, right? I mean, we we talk about that nauseum and how much we love a good college arm, but I mean for me, I, I'm concerned. He's still um, you know, out of NCAA, still in rookie ball. Um he he, you know, he finished the no, year, year started, sorry, started, high, sorry, no, he yeah. started double. I finished a double. So he started at Rick Ball's what I meant. Um, after, you know, kind of mundane numbers at A and, and low A the previous season. Yep. Uh, last season was significantly better to his credit. But then again, you see the uptick as he got into double A. Uh, only six starts, 30 innings, 20 hits in that 30 innings. Uh, nine runs surrendered. Uh, gave up a couple bombs. Strikeout ratio is pretty good at 38 to 30 um, in terms of case per nine. Uh, you know, there's enough there, not a huge walk percentage, but enough to be paying attention to. 
Um, so, you know, ultimately, I, I have concerns here. Uh, could he develop? Sure. But a lot like, um, you know, some of the other guys we've talked about, the stuff is just, eh. Like I'm, just, I don't, I'm just not that excited about it yet. I hope he proves me wrong, but but this is a guy that I'm hesitant, and I think the fact that he's in a, in a, a system where there's nobody in front of him, he deserves to be in or around where we have him, but he's definitely a guy that I think this is about as peak as he's ever going to see on this list. Yeah, this is this is one of the things where we just kind of agree to disagree on the overall for Howard, because I'm looking at the same stat line you are, but I'm seeing 65 innings pitched between A and AA, um, an ERA that is, geez, where was it really good? Below two, and then was it 76 strikeouts, something like that. So I'm seeing some good things from him. And I, I totally understand and, and uh, get the fact that we, I mean, if, if we agreed on everything, it'd be a very boring show. Um, <laughs> so the fact that we don't is a good thing because we're bringing different perspectives here. So that brings us from 50 to 20. Do you want to keep rolling on the top 20? This has been somewhat of a long pod for folks. Yeah. I, I think this is a great spot to leave it. I think, uh, we everyone wanted to hear the top 20 and we're just going to leave them right on the edge (laughs) and that's where i like it so uh let's let's leave it here we're going to dive into the top 20 in our next episode and we're going to get a little more detail in that top 20 because we're talking about the elite of the elite there's some huge talent and these are the kind of guys that you should be spending your time drooling over because they're that good there's a couple guys that you might not have as high as we do in that top 20 but that's why this is the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people because we're breaking trends and we're telling you how to beat the people that are reading those mundane, boring lists that are copy and paste from other platforms. Absolutely. With you there, Ty. So happy to head out of this episode having said 20 and we've got one to 19 coming up for the overall and Lots of big things coming up because we've got lots, three drafts that are all starting in the next five days. This is going to be fun to update everybody on what's going on in Dynasty formats as your drafts may be firing up. Don't forget to hit us up on Twitter for all your Dynasty questions. We are open and excited to do a um, questions podcast, a Q&A, if you will, at Dinger's Pod on Twitter, at Turney Boss or at Robbie Baseball one and we will happily get to those questions either on Twitter, social media, or through the next podcast. And until then, it's been Rob and Tyler on Dingers. And to all you that are in those podcasts with us, remember, I am the danger. This is Dingers, way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go. 